0: Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This summer has been the hottest on record, and that can be deadly. (music) This week, the National Weather Service announced August was the hottest month on record for Tucson, following July, which had set the previous record. For most Tucsonans who spent the last couple of months sweltering, that likely didn't come as a surprise. We talked to Mike Crimmins to get a sense of how this year's weather compares to normal and whether this is what we should expect from now on. He's a professor and extension specialist with the Department of Environmental Science at the University of Arizona.
1: Well, I, th- I think what people have noticed the most here in Tucson is it didn't rain. It, did, it didn't rain much at all. Uh, you know, I think going into this monsoon season, we came off a uh, not a great monsoon season last summer, and it was hot. And I think we were really hoping that we were going to win out and have the rain come back, and that would temper the heat. But we had the exact opposite happen. It, it just didn't rain. And not having the rain and clouds just let all of that, that summer heat uh, unleashed on Tucson and, and most of Arizona.
0: Since last year's monsoon wasn't great, people are calling it this year
1: the nonsoon. Is this becoming the new normal for Tucson? I sure hope not. I, I think that, you know, if you look at the historical record, we do have back-to-back bad monsoon years. It's not, they're not super common, but but they do happen. And they certainly happen across the region. So I do think that we're in a run of bad luck as far as the rain not showing up in the way that we would want it to. But the temperatures are on the rise, and so we've got that creeping crud of the increasing temperatures related to climate change in the background, and they really came to the forefront this summer. Talking
0: about those high temperatures, we're all very aware of the daytime temperatures, but it seems like overnight temperatures are also on the rise. Is that a perception or a reality?
1: no that's that's right you know if you look at the trends, you can actually when we talk about daily temperatures we're talking about the average of the high and the low, or if you're using you know, hourly data you'd average them all together. but we we want to split those out so the average uh, max temperatures are not increasing as fast as the average uh, overnight min temperatures and there's a couple of reasons for that the um, the urban heat island, so in- changes around instrumentation and built up of the city. Can soak up more of that heat and release it more slowly at nighttime, and so that'll bring some of the temperatures up. But but part of climate change is 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 um, an increase in overnight temperatures uh, as well. So that so they're consistent and they're kind of adding to each other to um, bring the the trends that we're seeing in the records.
0: What does this say about other seasons? Will we see a cool down in the fall or the winter? Will spring be warmer?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> thankfully, you know, our trip around the sun still wins out on the uh, on the overall annual cycle. So I think all of us have just been relieved that the sun is going down earlier every day. And so that <laughs> that's a good thing. So we're almost to um, the fall equinox, which will happen in a couple of weeks. And then we lose that solar radiation. And so we'll expect to see temperatures gradually decline as we get into fall. But we're still going to be in for these little spells of warm weather. Um, Even this week, it looks like we're back into excessive heat. We might break some more records. Uh, We might break some all-time September records, just because this pattern we're in that's basically killed the monsoon all year is still hanging on, and that's bringing us heat, and it'll bring us heat right into September other than the fact that
0: it's just hot why are these temperatures concerning especially when it comes to health of people and ecosystems uh in addition to just running our air conditioners constantly
1: right so if you know if you're working outside you are you can't get any relief from this and so just a little bit of humidity and these temperatures you know 105 to 110 are very taxing on health you know they can be real problems for people with heart conditions and respiratory conditions, and um, they can cause they can cause death to people, so we have to be really you know careful um, when we think about human health on this and then there 's the aspect too of it not raining and having these warmer temperatures that increases evapotranspiration so our plants have shown the stress of not getting the rain, but having the temperatures on top of it. So if we're not keeping up on watering and the native vegetation that is really getting baked out um, starts to show stress under these conditions. What's the
0: role of climate change here? You mentioned it, but you said this also these two years of a bad monsoon and high heat is seen in the historic record. So what's the, the
1: role of climate change here? We the kind of tease apart the heat of this summer won't happen every summer you know if one if if and when the monsoon comes back during the summer having that clouds and rain really do change all the thermodynamics and we won't we won't have runs of weeks of 110 if we have clouds and rain in that so so there's that aspect of it is that most of the summer temperatures are really going to be whether the monsoon shows are up but you know june temperatures kind of pre monsoon have been creeping up so that heat is got a lot of trend in it and so we would expect going in the future that we're going to have this continued trend adding up to even having wet monsoons that end up being warmer even with having that rain in the clouds you'll have these background warmer conditions but but having you know these record setting conditions every summer we'd also have it to have have to have the monsoon fail every summer i don't think that that's our our sort of short-term future. I think we had some bad luck this year. And boy, I'm already looking forward to uh, to next July (laughs) to see if we can pull off something different.
0: Is there anything that we as residents of the Sonoran Desert, Arizona, the world as a whole
1: can do to make some changes for future weather? Well, I think taking climate change seriously and I think we need to think hard about mitigation and we need to think hard about policy around it. And um, we are seeing, you know, some of the, the changes coming right home here to Tucson and we can see when they get very extreme what kind of problems they can ca- cause around our communities. And as you mentioned uh Health issues for people, especially respiratory issues and things
0: like that, when we get hot weather and no rain, we get ozone build up and ground level ozone and we 've had a couple of those days this year also
1: absolutely and we had smoke we had so much smoke i 've never seen this much smoke much, much smoke you know we had smoke not only from local fires in August, which are very unusual, but we had smoke from California and Colorado working around the monsoon high right down into Tucson. So, you know, there was shared misery across all the West. And so the heat drying out, extended uh, fire season, the ozone on top of it with those temperatures, and then trapping smoke down in the atmosphere just spelled absolute misery. And, you know, those are human health issues that we really have to be worried about into the future.
0: And, of course, then we got some rain across the area this past weekend, and we can all see the mountains again. It cleared out our, our air quality.
1: Wasn't that amazing? Just one nice rain event cleared the air out. And I remembered what it was like, you know, on a normal monsoon day in August. What have we missed on this topic? Anything else you'd like to add? No, these are great, really good questions. I think, you know, hitting on the human health aspect of this is really important. And I, boy, it sure has come to the forefront this this summer. And, you know, peering into the future, we need to take this seriously. Um, and, and, I you know, I think that that summer has been really helpful in kind of clarifying our vision of how heat really is important to to consider here.
0: All right. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, absolutely. That was Mike Crimmins, a professor and extension specialist with the UA Department of Environmental Science. As we just heard, 2020 is on track to be Tucson's hottest summer on record. The high temps have sent the mercury and electric bills climbing. This week, AZPM reporters dug into how extreme heat, housing, and the pandemic can result in a deadly combination. In the first story on the risks of severe heat, Jake Steinberg reports people who've lost their jobs due to the pandemic are struggling to pay their
2: electric bills. Has your electricity bill been high this summer? You're not alone. When the stay-at-home order went into effect, households used 6% more energy than normal, according to Tucson Electric Power. And usage has stayed up breaking a record for peak demand on July 31st. At the same time summer temps were driving up bills, the state's unemployment rate remained stubbornly high and weekly unemployment benefits were cut in half.
1: With more Arizonans unemployed and also more Arizonans working from home, Bills have increased, which have
2: made it harder for households to keep up with their bills. Diane Brown is the executive director of the Arizona Public Interest Research Group, which advocates for utility rate payers. Brown says families struggling to make ends meet are likely to pay other bills first, like rent. They might avoid homelessness when the governor's eviction ban expires in October, but they risk falling into debt.
1: When households have thousands of dollars on electricity bill at the same time the state's eviction moratorium is lifted and they are still unemployed
2: due to the pandemic, it is a triple whammy for those households. A nationally representative survey from Indiana University found households that missed electric payments in May were more likely to be people of color or people with a disability. And energy justice advocates are warning the disproportionate impacts of the pandemic could
3: worsen. Access to electricity is so necessary, like I said.
2: Greer Ryan is an energy policy analyst at the Center for Biological Diversity.
3: For air conditioning, for refrigeration, in the winter, of course, for heating. But also for access to internet, to be able to communicate with people so, you you know, you can do your job if you are lucky enough to be able to work remotely, um, so that your kids can go to school, so that you can communicate with your family if needed, especially, you know, in the case of emergencies.
2: Ryan studies the link between climate change and energy insecurity. She says electricity bills were on the rise before the pandemic, and as Arizona continues to log hotter and hotter summers, the financial burden for impoverished households will grow. TEP has pledged not to shut off anyone's power until the pandemic is over. Enrollment in its low-income assistance programs has never been higher. TEP's Lifeline program now has over 9,400 households enrolled, up 10% from last year. And the utility has pledged $1 million to organizations that help people pay their bills. It's also been refunding over $8 million from a recurring surcharge for energy efficiency. But Ryan says utilities like TEP could and should do more for ratepayers. Utility conglomerate Fortis, which owns TEP, has not changed the amount it pays to shareholders in dividends.
3: Utilities themselves could say oh, we're actually not going to ask for high return rates during this crisis, and instead we're going to redirect some of the money we might spend in other ways to helping people out.
2: While stimulus talks in Congress are stalled, money from the CARES Act is just beginning to kickstart the city and county's rent and utility assistance programs. Terry Galligan is the city's deputy director of housing and community development. He says in the program's first two weeks, they've received nearly 3,500 applications for help. We understand that there's a tremendous amount of need. We hope to uh, really help as many people as possible as quickly as possible so we can avoid people
0: being evicted or having their uh, electric or water turned off.
2: He says right now he anticipates being able to help about 2,000 households. He says it's important people who are struggling let TEP and the city know. They can't help if they're left in the dark. For The Buzz, I'm Jake Steinberg. Some social
0: safety nets are already in place to help. But as Elisa Resnick reports, those don't apply to everyone.
4: I'm in a mobile home park in West Tucson with Eileen Green and Pat Shahnik. They lead the Arizona Association of Mobile Home Owners. Today, they're showing me Swan Lake Estates, a park where Shahnik lives.
1: Now, on this street, there are homes that are from the 60s. This green and white one.
4: Seanick says there are about 270 homes here, some built in the 1960s and 70s, others as recently as 2013. She's driving a golf cart through neat rows of metal houses, pointing out boxy air conditioning units sticking out from windows and swamp coolers
1: on roofs. So many of them have pretty much a flat roof and they don't have much insulation in them. And so those people are paying good-sized electric...
4: A lot of people are struggling to pay the bills this summer thanks to COVID-19 job losses. But Shaunik says that's a problem mobile home residents face even in normal times. Insulation issues and single-pane windows in older units make it hard to keep the cool air in. Many rely on swamp coolers and window AC units. Meanwhile, the pandemic has people spending more time at home. All while Arizona is having its hottest summer on record. Shanick says some residents here are paying as much as $300 a month for air conditioning, just to keep their units below 85 degrees. And people are pretty much shut in with this pandemic. Payment assistance programs in Pima County and Tucson do offset utility costs for low-income households. But most mobile home parks are on a single utility bill. Green says that means those who would otherwise qualify for assistance Can't apply.
2: People are just afraid they don't know where to turn. And unfortunately, our laws don't protect them that way.
4: Swan Lake has its own payment assistance program set up by the owner, but it's an upscale retirement park. There's clubhouses, pools, and tons of greenery around a man made lake. Green says it's one of more than 600 parks scattered around Tucson. Many house low income families.
2: It's 10% of all housing units in Metro Tucson and 10% of the population. So you're talking about 100,000 people that are living in manufactured housing in
3: Tucson.
4: Mark Keir is an assistant professor at the University of Arizona's School of Geography, Development, and Environment, whose work is focused on mobile homes. He says when they began arriving in the 1970s, mobile homes offered a low-cost housing solution without the property taxes. Now, the structures are a bastion of affordability for families who don't have other options.
2: You know, there's nothing... Inherently problematic about housing that's built in a factory But the way it's lived in and experienced by many residents Often falls far short of that promise
4: A few blocks from Swan Lake is a low-income park Driving through it, shawnick flags down residents for me to talk to So have you noticed a difference this summer with, with the heat?
2: Yeah, it's been hotter. It's been way hotter I have two AC units in the, the house And it just it stays like 80 degrees 80, 90 degrees. It's just miserable inside. This
4: kind of heat isn't just miserable. It can be deadly. Arizona clocked a record 283 heat-related deaths last year, toppling record-breaking numbers in 2018 and 2017. The overwhelming majority of heat-related deaths last year occurred in Maricopa County. But Green and Seanick say looking at what happened there makes them sure similar problems are happening here in Tucson. But...
2: Nobody's looking at it and nobody marks it as heat-related death.
4: Tomorrow, we'll hear more about why that data is hard to track and what solutions community leaders and residents are using to combat the heat. For The Buzz, I'm Elisa Resnick.
0: As we've heard earlier in the show, August surpassed July as Tucson's hottest month on record. Monsoon storms that help temper the heat have been scant. So far, Tucson has only recorded about a third of normal monsoon rainfall. For the final installment of our summer heat stories, Elisa Resnick looks at how policymakers are working with communities to track the heat and combat its impact.
4: There you go. Hello, Barbara? Yeah, come on in. Would you prefer to be outside or inside? I want to be inside where it's at least semi-cool. Okay. Barbara Tobiasen has spent 13 Tucson summers with one swamp cooler at her home at the Swan Lake Estates Mobile Home Park. And she's developed a system. What I've done is I've created a little cool zone. This is,
0: you know, where I stay.
4: Tobiasen is sitting on a big living room chair surrounded by two standing fans. She has a double-wide mobile home that's designed for two swamp coolers. But one of them was broken when she bought the house. It was too expensive to replace it back then. So these days half of her house stays around 85 degrees. The other half isn't cooled at all. The only bad part about it is that uh, the kitchen is on that side. So if we want to do any cooking, it gets really warm. Tobiasen is retired from the University of Arizona, living on about $600 a month after expenses. She lives alone and normally takes part in community theater to socialize and also to escape the worst of the heat at home. But the COVID-19 pandemic has changed all that. With losing my theater, with the COVID, with the heat, it almost feels like the end of the world. Extreme heat isn't new in Arizona, but it is getting worse. This summer has been the state's hottest on record. The National Weather Service says Tucson clocked four days in August that were 110 degrees or hotter and 26 that were over 99 degrees. Scott Coverdale is the executive director of Community Home Repair Projects of Arizona, an agency offering free repairs to lower-income homeowners in Pima County. He says sometimes his crews will get calls from healthcare workers with patients already in the hospital for heat-related illnesses who can't be discharged until their cooling is fixed. They can't go home to a house that's 108 degrees inside. Coverdale estimates his crews have done about 500 repairs this summer, the majority for swamp coolers on the fritz. Especially during excessive heat waves, the result of a failed cooling system can be deadly.
3: We have an excessive heat warning in effect for the valley through Tuesday evening with temperatures today topping out at 112
4: Arizona Department of Health Services data shows a record 283 heat-related deaths in 2019 and is on track to surpass that number this year. More than half of those occurred in Maricopa County. 32 occurred in Pima County. UA professor and urban heat and governance researcher Lad Keith says a combination of factors helped Tucson stay a few crucial degrees cooler.
2: Phoenix certainly is larger. They have about 5 million people versus our 1 million. Um, They're also much more developed, and uh, those people are spread out over a much larger area, and so they have a much more drastic urban heat island effect.
4: But the way that data is recorded depends on who's counting. Maricopa County Health Department releases weekly reports on heat-related deaths and hospital visits. A spokesperson said Pima County Health Department produces yearly analyses of heat-related deaths. Pima County Medical Examiner Greg Hess says in his office... Only people who died as a result of hyperthermia are considered heat deaths. He doesn't think that's the case in Maricopa County.
1: So it must be more expansive than just pure heat-caused deaths.
4: In an email, an Arizona Department of Health Services spokesperson said her office tracks both heat-caused and heat-related deaths statewide through vital records. Heat-related deaths are counted any time heat appears as a factor on a death report. Reports released by Hess's office don't have that same distinction, which might make the overall impact of heat look more narrow. Data from the city of Tucson showed there were 250 heat-related 911 calls last year. Experts warn old age and underlying health conditions like lung and heart disease put people at a higher risk for heat illness and death. Part of that is because older people are less sensitive to symptoms of heat illness and don't regulate heat as well as younger people. UA epidemiologist Heidi Brown says that makes heat impacts harder to understand.
3: It's, you know, that chronic condition that the heat sort of exacerbated it. Um, So I think that makes it a little bit more challenging to kind of think about what exactly is the impact
4: of heat. Brown is co-leading Pima County's participation in a Centers for Disease Control program called BRACE. The initiative works with cities around the U.S. looking at heat-related illnesses. She says tracking deaths is just one part of a larger puzzle. When we're just counting number of cases, we get one layer of information, but it's yet another piece of where those cases, who those cases were, um, why the cases were where they were, and you know what sort of things were there to to not have similar things happening in other areas. Experts say getting the full picture requires researchers from areas as diverse as housing, health, planning, and transportation to work together. Some mitigation efforts are already underway. Tucson city planners have used heat island mapping to plan green spaces. Cooling centers here and in Phoenix offer relief to vulnerable populations like those experiencing homelessness. Still, climate change and urban growth mean a hotter Tucson is inevitable. UA researcher Lad Keith doesn't believe that will make these desert cities unlivable, but it will lay bare the inequalities already in place.
2: The thing that concerns me most is the equity component and the fact that Uh, the quality of life and the mortality um, will be worse off for lower-income and marginalized communities.
4: As the world gets hotter, Keith says it's important for many groups to continue to collaborate to ensure relief from the heat is available to everyone. For The Buzz, I'm Elisa Resnick.
0: The pandemic also shifted the way Tucson tries to help housing insecure people get relief from the summer heat. The Buzz's Vanessa Ontiveros has more.
3: According to Tucson Housing and Community Development Director Liz Morales, as in years past, the main goal of Operation Chillout was to provide a place for housing and secure people to hydrate and get relief from the summer heat. This summer, the city of Tucson teamed up with the Salvation Army of Tucson. We were initially, and our planning was just to be able to provide a place with air conditioning and, and water. I mean, that's literally the, the basics that we were looking for. But the Salvation Army stated they could provide more services, so we funded that. Exact services varied by location, but included health and hygiene services, supplies for sun safety, and food. The Salvation Army followed guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Volunteers screened for symptoms of COVID-19. Each location had masks and hand sanitizer available for those who needed them and encouraged social distancing. Morales says the project served between 500 and 650 people each week, reaching a high of 770 people one week. Morales says she suspected many of the people who were counted came back multiple times. A grant from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development paid for the effort. In past years, the city operated independently and offered more locations. Morales says many of the previous locations were unable to help this year because of pandemic restrictions. Given the summer's success, Morales says her department would absolutely consider working with the Salvation Army again. Because of their facilities and their ability to do multiple types of services and connections, the Salvation Army is a great partner. Um, to do this operation chill out ended on august 31st and while summer is coming to a close temperatures in tucson remain high morales says people who want to help those struggling with the outdoor heat can still give out water for the buzz i'm vanessa ontiveros
0: and that's the buzz for this week election season is here and we want to know what's on your mind Our listener voicemail line is open. Call and leave us a message about what key issues, races, or candidates are driving you to vote this fall. We may use your comments in an upcoming episode. The number is 520-621-5999. Again, 520-621-5999. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. You can also submit a story idea to us on our website. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. Vanessa Ontiveros is our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is the interim news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.